Lord, thank you for your word today, God. Thank you for being here. Thank you for worship. God, we, we bow down to you. We worship you. God, you are Lord God. You are Savior. God, you're here in our midst and your spirit is moving already. So I ask that you would anoint your word, God, and that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that for every person who is here today in service and those connected online, God, that you have a special word through your spirit for us, that, that Lord, you would speak clearly to us. God, thank you that we have a personal relationship with you, and we, you are a personal God. So thank you for this morning. Thank you for this moment we have to sit at your feet, to hear from you, and seek you in your word. Anoint this time with your spirit, and I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was thinking about this morning, I woke up reading the news, right? I mean, we're all following what's going on in Israel, and there's been continuing attacks from the north, right? From the terrorist Hezbollah guys uh, out of Lebanon on, Lebanon on the north border. And I was just reading about there's rockets and grenades launched and a lot of attacks still. I think Israel stopped the air or ground to air missile also in that way, too. But just a few days ago, the Israeli government expanded their evacuations of the communities along the northern border there. Uh, as you know, up at the north of Israel, it, it, the border is Lebanon. That's where Hezbollah is situated. And, and so they're, they're evacuating. They're moving the communities out of there uh, because of all these attacks that have been constantly going on. There's been a total of 42 communities, I was reading, 120,000 Israelis. That's, that's a lot, if you think about that, right? I mean, today, um, we live in a time after the Lahaina fires where over 7,000 people are displaced, and we're praying for them to find a place to stay. But think about 120,000 Israelis having to move, and they're moving into 234 state-funded guest houses and hotels across the country. I'm thinking, is that really enough, you know? Um, so, so much is going on. Well, why are they doing that? Well, in light of the attack from Hamas there on October 7, uh, Israel's not they're taking no chances here, right? They're making sure the people are safe just in case, or it may be that Hezbollah might come and do a ground attack too, similar to what Hamas did, and do their terrorist you know, atrocities like Hamas did. So in light of that impending attack from the north, they're evacuating all these people. And you know what I was thinking about? What a change of life that is, right? Well, I mean, your, your life is upended. You're, you're leaving your home. You're leaving your daily routines. And everything has changed. Everything is, is different now. And I was thinking about that. How with these folks, the 120,000, with these guys, you know, isn't there times in our life we have to have a change of life where things get upended? You know, I was thinking about that like um, in, in light of a wedding, let's say, right? The bride and groom, oh, you change your diet, right? You go on this extreme diet to fit the dress or, or the clothes. Or, hey, how about some of, some of you guys, you know, in light of your blood test, the labs that came back, it's like, Oh, my cholesterol numbers. Oh, my blood pressure. I, I, I got to exercise now, you know. I got to, you know, get going and eat more healthy food. Or, or I was thinking about um, in light of 
like I know our house, in light of when the, a family is going to come in and stay, you know, and they're coming in on island and all, it's like, oh, it's this massive house cleaning, right? And it, it, it takes days. Well, not that long, but it, it takes some time. And then it's like, don't use the guest bathroom. You're not allowed. Got to stay clean. And, you know, that can change your routines or, or what you do. So in light of certain situations or things that are coming up, we, our life is lived differently, isn't it? Uh, we've all faced that. We've all gone through that. We're going through that right now on, on this island as things have changed after the fire too. How about this? Jesus said in John 14, 2 and 3, he says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And as you know, as, as we've been going through different passages and I referenced this, or even when we studied uh, the book of John, right? I believe it's talking about the rapture here. I believe it's talking about when Christ comes and takes the church home. And certainly, we're, it seems like we're at that moment right now. But doesn't that affect how you live today? I remember when 9-11 happened, the churches were full. Our church was full, right? It, we're like, whoa, what's going on? We want to come pray. But not only that, you kind of think about your own life with God. Or, and with things going on in the Middle East, we start thinking about, whoa, is this end times? Is what's happening? Or the, oh, it's coming soon. And I've been talking about that last Wednesday, the prophecy update. But in light of Christ coming now, shouldn't that motivate us to live more for God than ever before? In light of what's around the corner, what our future destination is going to be. Our future destination should motivate us, right? Our future destination should be our present motivation. That's what it's about. Well, in this last section in the book of Second Peter that we're going to be covering this morning, Peter is really saying the same thing. That Jesus, in light of Jesus' coming, his second coming, in light of eternity, going to live in eternity, we got to live differently. So I titled our message this morning, In Light of Eternity. In Light of Eternity. We're going to be covering the last section here in 2 Peter chapter 3, from verse 14 through 18 this morning. From verse 14 through 18, 2 Peter 3. And in light of eternity, Peter's going to give us three things to really think about. And so in light of eternity, number one, be true. Or, I'm sorry, be pure. Number two, be true. And number three, be mature. So that's our outline this morning. Let's begin with number one. In light of eternity, number one, be pure. Be pure. Take a look with me here. We're going to be covering verse 14 and the first part of 15, verse 15. But let's take a look at those two verses. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 14, it says, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. Verse 15, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Now we'll stop right there. Now we begin here with Peter. He's writing, therefore. 
therefore beloved, God's beloved, God's loved ones, right? We went over that word before. But, but therefore, since you are waiting for these things. Now, now remember, therefore connects us to what is above. We, I, I always kind of joke, but whenever you see therefore, you ask why it's therefore. Well, it's therefore, it's a conjunction. It's connecting us to what Peter was saying earlier, which he kind of references anyway when he says, since you are waiting for these. Well, waiting for what? We're waiting, remember that word waiting, which is used earlier, is talking about an expectation. Like our desire, we can't wait. We're, we can't wait for these, but for what? Well, it goes back to the verse, verses above, the two verses above, where he says in verse 12, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God. And if you were with us last week, uh, remember, we saw the day of God is that day of eternity. When we enter that eternal realm, it's in contrast to what he was saying earlier, the day of the Lord, which is the judgment of God coming upon the world. If you missed last week or these studies, you know what? You can catch up on our podcast or Spotify or go back to our YouTube channel and, and it's archi- archived there. But so Peter's like, therefore, you loved ones of God, since you're waiting for this time, the day of God, that day of when we enter eternity into that eternal realm. So since you're waiting for all of this, you know what? He's going to go on and we're going to look at how we need to be pure. Uh, I like the NLT says, uh, while you are waiting for these things to happen. So as we're waiting in expectation, as we're still here, what are we to be doing? Well, he goes on here in verse 14. Be diligent. Be diligent. In the original language, that means to make every effort. Yeah. Put in, put in your all there. Yeah. Go all out, you know, with, with, with what Peter's going to be talking about here. And so he says in verse 14, be diligent, make every effort, go all out to be found by him who said, Jesus, without spot or blemish and at peace. So be diligent, make every effort, go all out, do everything you can to uh, when, when, when Jesus comes, that he will find you in these things. Now, when he talks about without spot and blemish, you know, that just reminds me of the lamb in the Old Testament times, right? It was set apart. They looked for the lamb without spot or blemish, perfect, you know. That was the one that was to be dedicated to the Lord. So in that same sense, when our lives should be lived today in light of eternity, in light of Christ's coming, that we should be doing all we can, you know what, to be pure, when we talk about without spot, that's what it means. Be pure. Be pure in your character. Ble- uh, not blemish is talking about living blamelessly. Generally, you know, we're, we're, we want to live in a godly way. Remember last time it was in holiness and godliness he talked about? We, we want to live in a way that shows we're of Christ, that shows we follow God, that we're part of God's family. That we are like Romans 12 once says, we're living sacrifices for him. We're, we're, we're followers of the Lord and we want to live as Christ did and representing Christ in a, a right way. So he, here's Peter. He's saying, be pure, you guys, in this sense. 
And also, he adds this at the end of verse 14, and at peace. Be diligent to be found by Jesus when he returns to what? Be at peace. What's he talking about there? Peace here is talking about being without fear. Well, fear of what? You know what? Fear of the judgment to come. We were just talking about that last week. We, we looked at the day of the Lord, the judgment that's going to fall upon the world, the tribulation, uh, the end when Jesus comes at the end of tribulation, and then after the millennium when he takes the whole world, crumples it up, burns it up, right? It makes a whole new heaven and earth, that judgment that falls in that sense. So we, we define that day of the Lord and that judgment that falls upon this world as we know it. So when Christ comes and when that judgment comes, we should be at peace. We should have no fear of what? Judgment. That that judgment wouldn't fall upon us. That we would be at peace. Why? Because we're in Christ Jesus. Why? Because Christ's blood, his atonement for our sins, have come and washed us clean. And now his righteousness is upon us. So we have no fear. We have no qualms. We're not like, oh, I hope, I hope he sees what I've done. Oh, I hope, you know, I'm, I'm okay here, right? You know, that, that's the idea when he's talking about that you would be at peace, that we have that assurance because we've given our life to Christ, because of what Christ has done in our life, that we have that assurance. We have no fear that, you know what, we're saved. We're saved. That God looks upon us as his children. God uh, looks upon us as Christ's righteousness upon us because we've been atoned by the blood. But there's something else I think I need to mention. When uh, knowing that this day is coming, the day of God, the eternity, knowing that Christ is going to come soon and let's put in the rapture, that he's going to come soon, will he find you at peace in this sense? Here's the second thing, that you have no regrets. Think about that. Right? I, I, I mean, if Christ were to come right now, are you, and, and I would say like, just a second, what if Christ came? What are you thinking right now? Would you have regrets? Oh, man, I, I wish I would have uh, uh, not, you know, said those words this morning. Yeah. I, I wish when that car cut me off that, oh, I would have been more patient. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how do I know? Because I saw you. No, just joking. Because <laughs> I was out of the car. No, um, no, just joking. But, but you understand, right? We want to be living in a way that we don't have those regrets, that, that when Christ comes and he finds us. We're like, yeah, God, we, we were all in. We, we did everything we could to live for you and to be pure before you. You know, in first, second Timothy 4, 8, Paul writes there is that for those who love his appearing, we should be at that place where we can't wait to see Jesus, that we're not cowering, yeah, in regret, or we're not, we're not calling like afraid because of our sin that we're caught up in or, or that we haven't dealt with, that we're unrepented about. No, we should love his appearing. That's the way it should be. We should not be ashamed because we are right with God. You should not be ashamed when Christ returns that he finds you not ashamed because you're right with God because of Jesus Christ and what he did. And... That you're living right with God. That your life is lived in a manner in what He desires. And you're living that out. 
In 1 John 2, 28, it says, And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. That's the way it should be. So here's the first thing I want you to see. In light of Christ's coming, in light of eternity, right around the corner, be pure, motivated to go all out to live for Jesus. That's what Peter's putting out here. Be pure, be motivated to go all out to live for Jesus. Go all out, you guys. No more holding back anymore. No more playing around on the side anymore. Go all out. Be all in. Perhaps maybe when you, when you were small, you remember your, your, your mother yeah, saying, just wait till your father gets home, right? She's had it with you. She can't do any more with you. But all she can say is, just wait till your dad gets home. And as a small child, right, that's the biggest trial when, when you hear the car. Dad's car rrr, pulling in the drive. It's like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, right? Oh, no, judgment is coming. Oh, and what? You fear. You're filled with fear. But on those good days (laughs) where you haven't done anything wrong, where you've been a good boy, you've been a good girl, and your father comes home, what is that? You're happy to see them, right? You're excited. Dad, oh, Dad, let me tell you about my day. Oh, Dad. Well, that's the difference here. That's what Peter's saying. Look, be pure in what you do. Be motivated to go all out to live for Jesus, that he would find you in that way, that he would find you pure, at peace, following him. Albert Barnes says, A deep feeling that we are soon to stand in the presence of a holy God, our final judge, cannot but have a happy influence in making us pure. I like that. You know what he's saying? He's saying we should, we, you know, knowing Christ is coming and knowing God is speaking to us right now that we should be pure and purify our lives even more. We should be happy about that. We should be excited to hear from God that he's preparing us for his coming. I think about those w- words um, from the old song by Andre Crouch. Soon and very soon we are going to see the king. It's probably playing in your head now, right? Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king, right? Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. And then what? It says, hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to see the king. Are we saying hallelujah? Are we, say, are we excited? Are we saying that with love in our hearts and not dread? That's the way it should be. And it can be, you guys. You know what, today maybe, maybe you've wandered off. Maybe, maybe your life hasn't been perfect and maybe you've been dabbling in things you shouldn't have. But you know what, today can be the day that you get right with God. Just go to Christ. Go to the cross, seek his forgiveness, and he will forgive you. He will restore that relationship. He will no matter what. His grace is here, his love is here. And you can come to a place and say, Whew, thank you, Jesus. I'm excited now for you to come home. I'm excited to hear the trumpet call and when you bring us home. Now, Peter goes on here in verse uh, uh, 15, and he says, And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. When he says count, he's saying, Consider now the patience of the Lord. 
Remember, his patience is all about salvation. He's actually reminding us of verse 9 back then when we studied that, where it says the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise. What is that? His return. Remember, there were scoffers scoffing that Christ, oh, look, he's, he's not coming. Why hasn't he been here for, for, you know, by now? Ah, you know, but no, the Lord is not slow in fulfilling and keeping that promise as some count slowness. But verse 9 is patient toward you. Why is he patient? Well, at the end of verse 9, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. We talked about how the delay of Christ's return, God's holding, and he may do that again, you know. He may hold back the, the situation uh, in the Middle East for maybe another 10 years. You never know, right? Uh, you never know what God may do, but his patience, his waiting could be because he's desiring more people to be saved. In other words, there are more people to be saved. And so that's why he's delaying. That's, that's what it is. So Peter in verse 15 now and says, remember, consider this. Remember the delay in his coming because he want to save more people. Consider the, the delay that is even here right now. That it's not only giving people the opportunity to get right with God, but you know what? God is also giving you the opportunity. God is delaying. His patience is for you to give us a chance to be able to live more for God, to be more all in for God, to get back to the right living for Jesus. God, right now, in the moment we have today, until he returns, the rapture happens, God is giving you and I time to purify our lives, to purify us, to to grow more, to to draw that line, to say no to this, to to, to really live for God more. That's, that's what Peter is saying here. Romans 13, 11 says this, Beside this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. So Paul's saying, look, Christ is, is coming. So are we asleep spiritually? Or maybe we're only half awake, right? God wants you to wake you up totally and fully here. Don't be apathetic to the things of God. Don't take this message and say, oh yeah, great, you know, file it away and then go live your life. No, today is a day to, to wake up from that spiritual sleep, to, to, to go home, change your lives in light of eternity, to, to, to do things differently, to not be lazy anymore, to cultivate your relationship with God and your walk with the Lord. So in light of this time before Jesus returns that we're in right now, Peter's like saying, and here's the second thing, be pure with this opportunity God has given you. Be pure with this opportunity God has given you. What is your greatest concern right now? What's going through your mind or your heart? Is it what your career is going to turn out to be? Is it maybe how much money you have or don't have? What's your greatest concern right now? Is it 
well, what am I going to have for lunch? Hmm. I'm wondering that too. No. But that should not be, right? With only, who knows, few days left, weeks or months. Remember I was talking about what's happening in the Middle East. It's steps, I believe. Uh, it's not Ezekiel 38. It's nothing in Bible prophecy. But I think it's things that will lead into Ezekiel 38. But it, that could happen. Ezekiel 38, Russia leading you know, alliance of these nations, Muslim nations, to attack Israel. It, it, it could be. Uh, it, it could be a matter of a few days, weeks, months, or years. What are we to be doing today? We should be denying ourselves, taking up the cross, and following Him. We should be about furthering the kingdom of God, choosing to reach people at the time left. Like what it says here in verse 15, and consider the patience of our Lord as salvation, that during this time, God is wanting to reach people, and we should be on that mission too. Why are we still here on earth? But to reach people for Jesus Christ, to be that light, to further his kingdom. 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 through 6, um, let me read this to you. It says, uh, But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. Look, we're in the light. We, we can see the signs of Christ's coming, right? We're not in the dark about that. And being in the light, understanding the times that we live in, it should be even more important that we be pure with this opportunity right now in this delay that God has given us. Listen, every day, every hour, every minute is, is one day closer to Jesus, right? Right? To his coming. So what are we doing with it? This, this, today is a day to respond, not be unresponsive. Today is the day to respond to the voice of God through the word of God speaking to us. It's like um, my grandkids sometimes, you know, they're doing something. It's like, hey, Manu, or, or, you know, or Skylar, don't do this, or Riley. And they just keep doing what they do, right? And then you kind of speak louder, and you speak louder. And finally, yeah, they hear you. Are we like that? Little Toddlers just doing what we want. This is the time, you guys, to weed out things in your heart that is not of God. I mean, sometimes we hear a message like this and we think, oh, the big things, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll stop doing this, this big thing, or stop doing that, I'll obey God. But I'm talking about let's go deep down into our hearts. Let, uh, let's, let's deny that darkness. Let's, let's bring in the light. Let's, let's not... Uh, uh, give in to these emotions that try and drown out the Holy Spirit or thoughts that lead us away from the will of God. Uh, issues maybe that we play in our mind over and over and only feeds our flesh, our anger, our hurt, host we get hostile, all of that. This is the time to bring to obedience any strongholds there. Any, any strongholds in our mind, like, like Paul talked about in Corinthians, any, or anything that the enemy or the flesh is trying to establish or has established, it's time to get, get rid of that. 
I was just reading this morning um, the King Jehu. Oh, he is a radical guy, you know, in Second Kings. Man, he, he went around and just decimated all the Baal temples that had been allowed to flourish in Israel. And then he, he called all the Baal priests and worshipers and said, hey, I'm going to make a sacrifice to Baal, but it was a secret plan. He brought them all in and then just killed them all. But I was thinking, wow, Lord, that's how you want me to deal with these things in my life that I think I've allowed. That in, in the land of my heart, I've allowed these little things to stay there, these spots, these blemishes. I, I need to deal with that, God. I need to be in total surrender, flat-out submission to my Lord and God, Jesus Christ. But let me tell you, you know when you do that? You find freedom. You find forgiveness, but you also find freedom. And you find healing. And you find power of the Holy Spirit in your life like maybe you never had before. It's important that we do that. Let us be those who, who are pure, going all out, motivated because Christ is coming. Let us obey and hear what God is saying through these verses that we've seen here. Let us go all out. You know, I was thinking about something John Wesley, this is what he asked for. He, he asked for that God would put a fire in a heart of people. But this is the way he put it. He said, if I had 300 men who feared nothing but God, hated nothing but sin, and were determined to know nothing among men but Jesus Christ and Him crucified, I would set the world on fire. I want to be one of those men. I want to be one of those people. How about you? God put a fire in my heart that I may set the world on fire. So in light of eternity... Be pure. Be pure. Let's go to number two. Be true. Be true. In light of eternity, be true. We're going to go on in the second part of verse 15, 2 Peter 3 to 17, verse 17. But first, let's take a look at verse 15. The second part says, Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their destruction as they do the other scriptures. We'll stop there. All right, Paul here, Peter mentions now, Paul, our beloved brother Paul, is the Apostle Paul. He's the one who wrote most of the New Testaments, his letters that we have here. And just like this letter, this epistle in Second Peter, were passed around to the churches. And so everyone got to read and, and hear the words of these letters, which we have in our Bibles, which is, well, the Word of God. Peter mentions that in verse 15, as he said, just as our brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. Who gave him that wisdom? Well, God. Yeah. And today we have it in our Bibles as the Word of God. And so as he does in all his letters, when he speaks of them in, the, in them of these matters, what are these matters? Well, it's everything that, that uh, Peter's been talking about. These matters about the second coming of Christ, the matters about uh, the, 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 the truth of God's judgment, all these things. And so Peter's saying, look, Paul spoke about the same things. 
There are some things in them that are hard to understand. Well, what could be that? Well, uh, when we studied First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, about the rapture of the church, could be those things. Could be the things of heaven. You know, some of the descriptions and we find in the New Testament or Paul's teaching, even it, it, it can be difficult to really conceive what is heaven like. So it, uh, Peter could be talking about those things. Maybe even the lawless. One, you know, that's going to rise up, which is the Antichrist in the end times. It could be things like those things that's hard to really conceive. Now, now Peter's not saying it's, it's, he's not saying that it's impossible to understand. It just has a deeper and in-depth truth to it that, that you got to like dive deeper about it. Well, about these things, about these matters, uh, which he says in verse 16, the ignorant and unstable. Who's that? That's the false teachers. Remember back in chapter 2, we talked a lot about the false teachers. It's all about false teachers, their judgment, who they are, what they do. So Peter kind of comes back around and says, you know, these guys, they're ignorant. They, they don't really understand what the truth is. And, and they're unstable, right? Morally, spiritually, they're up and down. They're more fleshly than spirit, you know, spiritual at all. And he says, these guys, they twist. That means they pervert the word of God. They, they, they twist it. They distort it in a deceptive way. Now, we talked a lot about that in chapter 2. Peter went like almost on this rant about it. And he also said what he says here. They twist to their own destruction as they do other scriptures of this Old Testament. So with what they do, there is judgment coming upon them. God will bring justice in how they lead people astray. So the false teachers, they twist the word. And remember, they fit what they, they make it fit into what they want to say. And Peter's like, you know about this. You, 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 you guys um, you know what Paul is saying, and then even they take his words, even the Old Testament scriptures, and they're twisting it. And the thing is, we understand, right? We cannot do that. The Bible must be above us, right? The Bible must be uh, our standard, our rule, not above what we think, our perceptions. Someone said, we must align ourselves with the Bible, never the Bible with ourselves. So then Peter says in verse 17, you, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. So, therefore, since uh, we, we know this already, we know what they do, we know the truth of God, we know yet we should stick to that, he says, take care. In original language, it's a military term. It means be vigilant, be on guard. And, and for me, it's like, you know, I need to care about not being fooled. I need to care about not being deceived or led astray by false teachers or, or the enemy himself, right? I, I need to be on watch that I would not be carried away, which means led astray, by lawless, those people. Those people don't care about God's word, his, his truth. Remember, these guys come in, yeah, real smooth talking. They look, they look so godly, sound so godly. They talk in that way. They present themselves as God's messengers, but they are not. Peter's like, watch out. Take care. Be on alert. 
And, and we know in the last days, in these end times, it's going to happen more and more and more and more because the world and what Satan is doing is darker and darker and darker. And so we have to be mindful and, and smart about that. How come I about this? Why? Because the danger, he says in verse 17, that you could lose your own stability. What he's talking about? Your spiritual stability. That you can slide, backslide. That you can wander away from God. That you can slip into things that are not of God. That you get your focus off like majoring on the minors or minoring on the majors. Like, like getting caught up in things that don't matter. I've, I've seen that in the past years. I've seen the church in general move from our mission. I've been harping on this, but, you know, off of why are we here? We're here to be the light of Christ and share Jesus. And we get on this rant of other things rather than reaching people for Jesus Christ. And when we do that, we play right into the enemy's hand. And you know what happens? We lose our stability we're not stable morally, spiritually in our walks, in our life with God. We begin to slide. But, but I think the worst thing is we become ineffective Christians. Ineffective. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. That's exactly it. When we need to be the, on all in on top of it because we are in dark times and, and Christ is coming soon and should, we should be doing everything we can to bring people to Jesus before this end comes. But the enemy's trying to do the opposite. So Peter's like, keep your eyes wide open. Be discerning. Know the Bible. Know your doctrine. Know, know who, who God is. Know what is of God and what isn't of God. Know be able to discern what someone's idea or even the enemy subtly coming in to pull you away from what really matters and what your mission is. He's saying, watch out here. Take care. Take care. You're not carried away. That's why it's so important like on Sunday and Wednesday, Wednesdays that we study the Word of God. That's why it's important we come to church. You know, some people come because socially they like to come that's the main reason or some people come because oh i like the music yeah oh i like the spirit moving there oh i i i like that um electric guitar player thank you very much by the way but no just joking just joking you know i mean people come for different reasons yeah but we should come for jesus christ to seek him to be like mary sitting at his feet listening for him and study the word of god we need to go to a church where there's biblical preaching where, where, the, where the preacher, the pastor, reads the Word of God, or reads the text, explains the text, and applies the text. That's Bible study, you guys. That's learning. And let me tell you, when the Word of God is being presented like that, and when you receive it like that, you know what? You know what? It's going to change you. And it's going to build a foundation in you so that, you know what? This won't happen. Paul wrote in Ephesians 4.14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. We got to be careful. Satan is crafty, you guys. 
But when we're in the Word, when we're studying, when we're locked in and abiding in Jesus, He can't get to us. He can't get to us. But remember, He's getting more and more sneaky. More and more sneaky. So in light of eternity, here's the thing here. Be true to stay to the truth of the Word of God. That's what Peter's saying. Be true. Be true to stay to the truth of the Word of God. Stick to that truth. Don't be led astray, even by false logic. And I bring that up because I, I heard how some saw on YouTube that, you know, the fire in Lahaina was from Chinese satellites, you know, lasers, you know, targeting certain areas and shooting down special lasers and catching on fire. And, and the, the, the proof was this picture of this field, two cars were burned, and, and the houses around weren't burned at all. I've been there. We went one um, the uh, uh, week or so after the fires. We we brought a whole bunch of air purifiers that we made on that, and we went and put lays on the crosses there. But that, it's right above there in Lahaina Luna, you know, right above the town. And I I saw that. I saw that picture. I saw the two cars, and yeah, the houses around, you know, they aren't burned. But what you don't see in that picture, there's a there's another field above it that's all burned. What you, what you don't know is that many of the residents were fighting the fire and saved their subdivision. What you don't know is the fire was like jumping all around in that whirlwind that it was that so many testified to. So it's easy to sensationalize things, to make it look like something to get your emotions going, to get your mind like, ooh, yeah, and we, we all like some tasty gossip kind of th- stuff, Right? That just appeals to our flesh, right? And there's people who do that to sensationalize, to get more YouTube hits, to, you know, deviously make money off of you with their tall tales. So be careful, you guys. In a similar way, false teachers, the enemy is leading people astray from what the Word of God says, the principles of the Word of God, to make us compromise ourselves, our, our, compromise our walk with the Lord. That, that's what these things, conspiracy things are for, to reach gullible people looking for, for these things. And, and you know what? Satan looks for spiritually gullible people to lead them astray off from the Word of God. Just take note. When you're starting to see things or read things or watch things, take note what happens inside you. Yeah? Does it lead you astray from the security we have in God? Does it lead you astray from faith and peace in the Lord? Does it lead you astray to fear, anger, and then hate and bitterness? See, the enemy wants to set aflame our, burn, our moral, just get rid of them, sear our conscience. Then what was once we had joy, love, peace, faith, patience, the fruits of the Spirit. Now we focus on ourself and suddenly we're living a life without control. Without control. Does that describe you? Have we been getting caught up in things? I mean, it doesn't have to be whatever, you know, conspiracies of the government or, or uh, Lahaina or, or whatever that is. But the end, end goal is the same. It's your flesh, yeah? And it's like, ah, it's things that shouldn't be in there. Does that describe you? You know how you can get back on track? Get back.
to the Word of God. Get back to the Word of God. So in light of eternity, be true to what the Word says. Stay in the Word. Live the Word. Be pure and be true. Let's go to number three. Our last heading here is be mature. Be mature, our last point. In light of eternity, be mature. And we come to our very last verse in Second Peter chapter 3 and of this whole epistle. Verse 18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So, Peter flows into this last verse now, and, and I just see this thought here. Uh, uh, so let's stick to the word. Not, let's not be so gullible in Satan's tactics. Let's take the word of God, and you know what? Verse 18, grow, grow. Let's grow. That's what he's saying here. Let's, let's, let's spiritually not be you know, baby Christians anymore. Let's spiritually uh, not be like toddlers in, in our thoughts and in our heart anymore let's mature in who we know god is and what he does in our lives and how he works and who we are in christ so he says but grow in two things grace and knowledge to grow in grace speaks really of our our character it, it speaks about being like jesus like like as he gives us grace we give grace we operate in grace what well, daily we have god's grace flowing through us that we're able to live out our lives in grace. It, it really speaks of that graciousness that we need and have and can give in our character. And then secondly, we are to grow in knowledge. Knowledge, knowledge of the Word. Knowledge of, of living out what we know in the Word. Uh, getting to know our God. Knowing Him. Not just some faraway God or, 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 you know, oh, I just go to church and I meet God then. No, you meet with God every day. You grow close to the Lord. You grow close to Jesus. You get to know Him. He works in your life in that intimate way. So we need to grow. We need to become a gracious person like Jesus. We need to become a biblical person living the Word out. We need to be become someone who really knows God and other people know that you know God. We need to grow in spiritual maturity. Do you remember our theme for the whole book of Second Peter? What our theme was? Our theme was this. Know the word and grow in God. And I shorten it by know and grow. That's what it is. If you want to know what the whole book of Second Peter is about, that's it. Know and grow. Know and grow. Know the Word and grow in God. And that's what we've been learning throughout all uh, these studies we've done. And then finally, in verse 18, he, he ends, To Him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Peter closes this letter, basically, to God be glory here. Yeah? We give Him glory in all these things, everything we talked about, both now, right now, and into the day of eternity. Remember that I referenced that to, uh, from verse 12. That's the day of God. That day of eternity when we enter that realm, when we're there. And he ends with, Amen. And we say, Amen. Here it is. Finally reached the end here. Understand, this letter, they say, was written around 67, 68 AD. Shortly after that, Peter was martyred. So you know what we have in our hands? We have like his last recorded words, really. 
His last recorded words. And what's his last recorded words? Really, I mean the very end. end. <sighs> Give God glory. Live for God's glory. And I love that. That inspires me. May we live our lives for God's glory. Why are we here? Yeah, we have our mission. Yeah, we want to obey God. Yeah, we want to fight our flesh and Satan. Yeah, we, we, we want to be, shine a light for, for, for Jesus. We want to share the gospel. But what, ultimately, bottom line, we want to live for God's glory, right? Amen? An unknown person said, A concern for the glory of God is the ultimate motive for Christian living. So our last point is in light of eternity that is right around the corner, be mature. Be mature by growing up spiritually for his glory. By growing up spiritually. God is saying, hey, grow up, you guys. Stop being a baby Christian. It's been 10 years. Stop thinking like a toddler in your mind, spiritually immature. No, come on, grow up spiritually here. I read about this teacher who worked for 20 years at a school, went to the administrator after being passed over for a promotion. She was all frustrated, and she told the administrator, why did you choose that new young man who only had four years of experience? I have 20 years of experience. Well, the administrator said, you don't have 20 years of experience. You have one year of experience 20 times. You're still teaching the same things in the same way as you did when you were first hired. You haven't grown. I know, kind of harsh, but you know what? But we need to hear that, right? We need to hear that. Is that us spiritually? Oh, I've been with the Lord, you know, 30 years. Oh, that's great, but why are you still back at the basics? Why are you still struggling down here? Why are you still, should I say, wearing diapers? Crawling around where you should be running, jumping, exceeding, going farther and farther in the Lord. It's time to grow up spiritually and become all who God is making you to be. As we close, beloved, you love one of the Lord. This is God's loving call to us today. Understand that. He's lovingly reaching out to us. He's, he's stirring our hearts up because we need to be stirred up. He, he desires peace in your life, faith, healing, love, freedom from your sins. But we're the ones. I'm the one that keep myself in bondage. I want to grow and be free. I want to become all that Jesus saved me to be, don't you? So we need to make that choice. We need to step out, make that effort. We, we need to go all out. On, I'll close with this. On September 8, 1860, the steamship Lady Elgin collided with the schooner Augusta in Lake Michigan. The ship tore apart. Most of the 300 passengers and crew perished in the waters. But there was this experienced swimmer on board, and, and he was a, a, a lifeguard also, His name was Edward Spencer, and he was able to save 17 people as he swam back and forth to shore. Finally, with his body covered with scrapes and bruises, Spencer just just got, you know, he saved this one person, the last person he saved, he just passed out on the beach. 
When he woke up in the hospital, he was heard saying this. He was asking, did I do my best? Have I done my best? Years later, uh, a young ensign, Edward Young, heard this story. And he wrote this song in 1924. And I want to read to you the the words to this song. The first stanza says, I wonder, have I done my best for Jesus who died upon the cruel tree to think of his great sacrifice at Calvary? I know my Lord expects the best from me. The hours that I have wasted are so many. The hours I spent for Christ so few. Because of all my lack of love for Jesus, I wonder if his heart is breaking too. I wonder, have I cared enough for others, or have I let them die alone? I might have helped they wander to the Savior, the seed of precious life I might have sown. No longer will I stay within the valley. I'll climb to the mountain heights above. The world is dying now for want of someone to tell them of the Savior's matchless love. And then the chorus of this hymn goes like this. How many are lost that I have lifted? Or uh, how many are the lost that I have lifted? How many are the chain I've helped to free? I wonder, have I done my best for Jesus when he has done so much for me? Let's grab a hold of the opportunity before us. While we have breath in our lungs, while we have this time in life on this planet before he returns, let's do our best. Let's live our best, and let it be all for the glory of Jesus. Let's do all this in light of eternity. Let's pray. God, as we come to a close here, Lord, I know my heart is convicted, God. I'm not perfect, Lord, and you know my heart. You know my mind. You know what travels through there. You know what I've I've held and coddled. You know things that I should let go, God. And I pray that you forgive me, God. Lord, forgive us all, Lord, for our sins and for those things that we habitually do, those things that we have allowed to be planted in in the soil of our heart. God, we want to pull those weeds out. We want to make the grass totally green, Lord. We, We want to take out, Lord, that should not be there, and we need your help for that. Lord God, we thank you that your provision is there. That forgiveness and cleansing because of what you've done on the cross is there, God. We thank you that right now as we confess before you that you can forgive and that we can be made right with you. And we can walk out of here living for you. Recommitted, Lord. Re-energized, God. Stirred up, Lord. God, light our hearts on fire for you today, God. And Lord, I know we will see you work. I know we will see you move. This is your will for us. This is what you want for us. We're the ones holding ourselves back. God, may we surrender all totally to you and do only one thing, and that is to live in every way possible for you, God. That is to to allow into our minds only what is pure and lovely, only what is God, only what you God, would would want in there. And let our hearts, Lord, be given totally to you and nothing and no one else, Lord. God, as we, we do that, I know, God, you will open our eyes to your wonderful work, God. 
And thank you for your work on the cross that makes the way for us, Lord, to live a life for you. And so, God, we want to say with this song, soon and very soon, we're going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, we can't wait to be with you. God, let us live in light of eternity, just around the corner. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all